Welcome to the January 14th sermon from Clifford Baptist Church, 635 Fletcher's Level Road in Amherst. Today's scripture is 1 Peter chapter 4, verses 12 through 19, and the sermon is entitled, Persistence in Suffering, delivered today by Pastor Jeffrey Campbell. In our sermon today, I want you to grab your Bibles, go to the book of 1 Peter chapter number 4. As we have titled this series of 1 and 2 Peter, Joy Along the Journey, Sometimes we forget to factor in that we're not in control of the joy. We don't have control of what brings us joy or we don't have control of our situations, the circumstances or the unknowns, the the things that God is sovereign over and God is in control over. our, Our joy is not rooted in those circumstances. Our joy must be rooted higher in Jesus. And so when we think about joy along the journey, last week we talked about living a a life devoted to Christ. And this week we look at persistence when the suffering comes. And I know in this room today, I'm looking at faces and I'm looking into lives that have experienced what suffering looks like. I know next door there are people that are experiencing suffering. I know there will be people that show up later today that are going through some tough things. But here's what I want to encourage you with today. It's not the circumstances that dictate the joy. Jesus is in control. Put your joy in Jesus. And as we do that, that is where the joy comes from. In the beginning of Genesis, we see that the Lord puts Enmity between the seed and between Satan, between man and between Satan. And from that very beginning, there has been a spiritual battle that has been raging. From the beginning of your book, as you open it up, of your Bible, you open it up to the very end, you will see a war that is being played out on the spiritual level that is beyond our control. And so when we think about that, there is really nothing that we have control over. I might get to choose what I eat tonight for dinner. But much, much past that, you've got to trust God in those things. And when we think about that and we look at our Old Testament stories, we see faithful men who have suffered. Job is one of the ones that rises to the top of the list. He suffered as a faithful man. He lost it all, but he was faithful to God. David, whose life was in danger at the hand of Saul, ran and hid and suffered because of his faith. Because God wanted to make him king. We look at Jeremiah, the weeping prophet, who God did not give him one recorded convert. And yet, he remained faithful. And so we don't really know how our days are going to turn out on this earth. How faith will lead us in the days ahead. But Peter writes to those that are faithful to the Lord. That they need to remain faithful. Because guess what? Suffering was about to start. We don't like that word suffering. We don't understand it. We don't like it. But here's what Peter says. You better expect it. And you are to rejoice in it. You are not to be ashamed of the Lord through it. And ultimately, through suffering, God should get the glory. That is why we experience it. That through your faith in God and through your suffering, that God gets glory. 
many times in our life, we look at the world or maybe we look at our own lives and say, God, why is this happening? Just remember, God's trying to get glory. We look at the world and there is a world that right now is totally against the things of God. And here, God has entrusted faithful men and women to live out your faith in a world that does not know Him and that does not believe in Him and that does not trust Him. Friends, today, I think in 2024, if these great people of faith in the Old Testament and the great people of faith in the New Testament and Jesus Himself experienced suffering, why should we expect Anything less. We will have to suffer for our faith. Some of the greatest hymns that we sing were written out of a well of people that experienced physical suffering. Precious Lord, take my hand. Thomas Dorsey wrote that after his wife gave birth to their child, to their son. And guess what? The wife died in childbirth and the son died in childbirth. And Thomas Dorsey wrote, Precious Lord, take my hand. Lead me on. Let me stand. I'm tired. I'm weak. I'm worn. You know those verses? Out of suffering came some of the greatest words of truth of God that we sing about. Horatio Spafford wrote the song, It is well with my soul after four daughters died in a shipwreck. And yet he was still able to write through the loss of those children, it is well with my soul. Charlotte Elliott, bedridden invalid, wrote just as I am. Fanny Crosby was blind, wrote blessed assurance, and to God be the glory. Here's the message of the day. Yes, we will suffer for the sake of our Savior, but will we be persistent? And Peter's warning is this, in these days there are those that will have to suffer. And the suffering will not be pretty. And it will cost some your life. But are you willing to suffer for the faith that you proclaim in Jesus Christ? Today, we must be persistent as well. Let's look at 1 Peter chapter number 4. Starting with verse number 12. Here's what God's word said. Beloved, think it not strange concerning the fiery trial, which is to try you as Though some strange thing happen unto you, but rejoice inasmuch as ye are partakers of Christ's sufferings, that when his glory shall be revealed, ye may be glad also with exceeding joy. If ye be reproached for the name of Christ, happy are ye, for the spirit of glory and of God resteth upon you. On their part he is evil spoken of, but on your part he is glorified. Last week, we talked about living for Jesus and having the mindset of Christ and living for the will of God and watching and praying and loving and serving one another and glorifying God in all things. That's a recap of 35 minutes of the sermon last week, okay? But the chapter continues. In living for Jesus, the ending of the chapter says this, suffering is about to come. Point number one today that you need to write down or that just take away from this sermon today is this. Sufferers should not be shocked. If you suffer, don't let it catch you off guard or don't be surprised by it. Peter's new section of this chapter number four begins with the word beloved. It signifies a love that he has for these believers that he is writing to. 
It is a great love and he wants them to know that as they pick up this letter, as they they read this letter, there is someone that is writing that loves them. Yes, this letter is written by the hand of Peter, but it's written from the heart of God. And so as they read this letter, Peter says that they are loved. But here is Jesus' words. Believers, beloved, know that you are loved. Beloved. Suffering tends to isolate and make people feel alone. And yet with this one word, beloved, Peter tells them that they're not alone. That they are loved by the man that writes it. But more importantly, they are loved by their God. Then he warns them of things that are going to come. There is a fiery trial. There's a fiery trial that's going to come. Look at verse number 12. Beloved, think it not strange concerning the fiery trial which is to try you as though some strange thing happened unto you. Here's what I want to say. Everybody, look at me real quick. When you're going through a tough time, isn't it good to have an encouraging word? And so as Peter writes it, he calls them beloved people. He says, now loved ones, listen here. You are loved by God, but the fiery trial is about to take place. Now, there's a lot of debate of what this truly means But many think that it would point to a future where Nero would use fire to burn Rome and saddle that blame on the shoulders of the Christians and point to them as they are the ones that done it. But in turn, Nero would be the one that would destroy the city. Also, Christians would be used for their faith as light posts to light the way. Just picture this as Christians were martyred and killed for their faith. They would be set on fire And used as the light post that would light the town. Be ready for the fiery trial. The literal fiery trial that would come. But here's what Peter says in verse number 13. Don't you dare think it's strange. Don't you be shocked when this comes your way. There are things that we suffer for in this day. And I pray that the day does not come. That on United States soil we will have to have to. Stand for our faith and risk our lives. But I do believe that day will eventually happen. But do you realize day by day on foreign soil, people are living for Jesus, risking their life. Just as these believers were. And Here's what Peter says. Don't you dare be shocked. Don't you be uh, scared or surprised when those testings come. When the fiery trials meet those trials with expectation And with rejoicing. Look at verse number 13. But rejoice inasmuch as you are partakers of Christ's sufferings. That when his glory shall be revealed. Ye may be glad also with exceeding joy. As we think about this joy. It's hard for our minds to understand. That when troubles or trials come our way. That joy is there. That we should be joyful amidst the suffering that we are going through. Look at at, at verse uh, number 14. If you be reproached for the name of Christ. If we. That verse gives uh, the thought that there are some that may experience it. And there are some that may not experience it or may not have to endure it. And yet the spirit is here. The spirit of God is upon you. Do not forget that. 
when these trials come, you are to be joyful. You are to expect them. And here is the ultimate point at the end of verse number 14. Jesus should be glorified. Don't you dare face a trial or face a heartache and say, I beat that. Don't even give doctors credit. Doctors help. I believe in medicine and miracle. But Jesus needs to get the glory from anything that happens within our life, good and bad. And so be careful that Jesus gets the glory. We want Jesus glorified, correct, from our lives, correct? Amen? Sometimes it takes a trial for God to get His glory out of our lives. Don't you be shocked when that suffering comes. Glory needs to be revealed. Look for the joy in the circumstance. Look at verses 15 and 16. But let none of you suffer as a murderer or as a thief or as an evildoer or as a busybody in other men's matters. Yet if any man suffer as a Christian, let him not be ashamed, but let him glorify God on this behalf. Point number two today is this. Suffers should not sin. Peter breaks down suffering into two groups. And you know these two groups because you've heard them in a, in a previous sermon. The saints and the ain'ts. And there are ways that we suffer. Chapter number 3, verse number 17 of 1 Peter says this. For it is better if the will of God be so that you suffer for well-doing than for evil-doing. And the mindset is this. You can suffer and it not be of God. It is of your own doing. It is of your own choices. Does God allow that? Absolutely He does. It's a difference in suffering for your mistakes or your doings and God's doing. There's a difference there, though both will experience suffering. It is better for doing God's will. As we think about suffering for Jesus and these two groups of people, it turns into their actions. Look at verse uh, number 15. Let none of you suffer as a murderer or as a thief or as an evildoer or a busybody in other men's matters. It's amazing the list of things that happen there. You go from a murderer and a thief and an evildoer to somebody that messes around in somebody else's business. And yet they're all on the same playing field there. Notice that. The murderer and the person that gets in somebody else's business are equal. And here's what Peter says. Don't suffer for that. Don't, don't do that. Don't make those choices and, and, and suffer those consequences because that is not of me. That is not my will. Don't suffer for doing sin. Yet, there's a greater way to suffer. And that greater way is in verse number 16. If any man suffer as a Christian, let him not be ashamed, but let him glorify God on this behalf. Suffering as a Christian, here's what happens. The Lord gets the glory. A quick quiz for you. How many times does the word Christian appear in the, I'm, I'm using King James. How many times does that appear in your Bible? I need you to circle that word there in verse number 16. Suffer as a Christian. Because here's the reality. It appears three times in your Bible. 
It's a word that we use flippantly today. We call each other brother and sister. We call each other Christians. We are there, but the word Christian is used three times in your Bible. It is used in Acts chapter 11, uh, verse number 26, as the disciples are called Christians at Antioch. It is used in Acts chapter 26, uh, verse number 28, in King Agrippa's famous words to Paul, Almost thou persuadest me to be a Christian. And here again, in 1 Peter 4, 16, it is used. Now don't miss this point. When Peter writes... Yet if any man suffer as a Christian, that label, that title is one that we give to ourselves. How many of us, have, how many of us consider ourselves as Christians? Raise your hand, it's not a bad thing. Raise your, we are Christians. And sometimes we proclaim that to the world, that I am a Christian. And what you are saying is you are a little Christ. You are a Christ follower. You are an imitator of Christ. That's what we are saying. But in this day, the title Christian was not boasted about by the people. The title Christian was given by the unbelievers who seen the faith of the people. And they labeled them Christians. You see the difference? We don't need to be people who beat our chest and say, yes, I'm a Christian. Let's be people who go to work and live out faith. That others know who our Jesus is. And others point to our life. And others single us out and say, that person is a believer. That person knows the Lord. Peter says, don't you dare be of a, ashamed of a faith that others identify and others persecute. And others are, are, are pinpointed on that they target you for persecution. I'm grateful today that throughout our life, that it's not us boasting of ourselves, but God needs to get the glory here. Look at the end of verse number 16. If any man suffer as a Christian, let him not be ashamed, but let him glorify God on this behalf. Again, the call that God would get the glory out of a persecuted life, out of a person that is suffering. Sufferers should not sin. Note today, there is a way that you can suffer that is not of God. It is of your own doing. And that should not be celebrated. But there is a way that we suffer as believers when you live your faith in a world that points and says that person is a believer, we will target then. God will get the glory. Point number three, our last point today. Look at verses 17 and 19. For, this, uh, for the time has come that judgment must begin at the house of God. And if it first begin at us, what shall the end be of them that obey not the gospel of God? And if the righteous scarcely be saved, where shall the ungodly and the sinner appear? Wherefore, let them that suffer according to the will of God commit the keeping of their souls to him in well-doing as unto a faithful creator. Point number three today is this. Sufferers should not be skeptics. Sufferers should not be skeptics. What does it mean when somebody is skeptical? It means they question and they doubt things. But when it comes to suffering as a believer, we should not doubt 
the Lord. Now listen to me. When those things happen, some of the first questions that we may ponder is, why me, Lord? Chris Christopherson wrote a song about that, I believe. I'm not going to sing it for you, okay? But in that song, he questions, why? What did I do to deserve this? But then he brings it back around to the love of God. Why? I'm not going to ask you to raise your hands of how many of you have ever questioned and asked God why something was happening to you. But here's what I want you to know, that we cannot be skeptical in that. One of the most quoted scriptures of 1 Peter is found in verse number 17. I'm going to reread it now. It says this, For the time is come that judgment must be begin at the house of God. That's a scary thought, especially when you are a believer. To think that the greatest in the first place that judgment must happen is within the people of God. I believe in 2024, judgment must begin in the churches all over America. All around the world, judgment must be begin with them. There are many, and I'm not throwing stones here, but there are many that are teaching false truth. Judgment has to begin there. Judgment needs to be there. And God help it, if I ever get off track, judgment must be begin here. But here's what verse number 17 means as we think about judgment beginning at the house of God. Peter asks the question and he says this. If it begins at the house of God, where should it end? If it starts with believers, then where does it end? Look again at verse number 17. For the time has come that judgment must begin at the house of God. And if it first begin at us, what shall the end be? Do you see that? What shall the end be of them that obey not the gospel? Where is Peter's concern? It's in two places. It's with believers. That believers are living lives that are honoring Jesus and that are worthy of persecution. But also, he is so concerned about those that are unbelievers. And he says this, what will their end be? What will happen to them? It's easy to say this. It's easy to say, and, and, and I use this phrase a lot, it's easy to sit on our high horse and say, well, I'm a good person and I'm doing right and I go to church. God, go take care of those bad people first. Go take care of those that you listed, the murderers and the thieves and the evildoers and those that are in other people's business. Go take, to them, go take care of them people. It's easy for Christians to fall into that and say, hey, God, I'm okay Those people are worse than me. You go deal with them first. But here's what Peter says. No, it begins in the house of God. It starts with the people of God. And here's how that judgment works. As the people of God and they are living their lives of faith, how you begin that judgment is through persecution. It's through the fiery trial to make sure their faith is real, to make sure their faith is purified, to make sure their faith comes out stronger, to see who the real ones are. Does that make sense? Judgment starts at the house of God to see who the real believers are. And then from there, what do you do with everybody else? I wrote some things down here that I want to say before I finish today. What do we say with people who love their sin more than God? 
It's not our job to banish them to hell. It's our job to teach them and tell them the truth and let God deal the, do, do the rest. What is our job when it comes to church discipline? Pastors, that's hard stuff. What do we do when somebody in the church does wrong? Do we just let them go on or do we take care of it? And whose shoulders does that fall on? Usually the pastor. Everybody looks to the pastor to take care of it. When judgment begins in the house of the Lord, it's not fun and it's not easy, but it must start with us. If we are not held accountable for what we say we believe, then there is one that will hold us accountable, and that is the Lord Jesus Christ. Christ and Christ alone saved me. Christ died for my sin. My faith has been placed in Him. And that is the only hope that Jeffrey Campbell has. My only hope is Jesus. But back to the end of the question. If judgment begins with us, what is the end result of those that don't believe? It is eternal separation in hell from a God who loves them. And that is Peter's concern. If judgment is hard for believers, what will it be for the unbelievers? What is it going to be? Those who suffer for being faithful, that judgment is nothing compared to those that will suffer for unbelief. For all eternity. So today... Maybe there's someone that looks at their life and says, God, I've had it hard. I want you to open your eyes to a, to a world that is dying and going to hell and that will suffer eternal separation for all eternity because they do not believe. Yes, judgment must begin here and judgment must take place here, but judgment will reach the world one day. And I want you to see the heart of Peter that is not only concerned about the church and the believers, but a world of unbelievers that don't know. Look at our last verse, verse number 19. Wherefore, let them that suffer according to the will of God commit the keeping of their souls to Him in well-doing as unto a faithful Creator. There will be purging and there will be persecution in the house of God and those who suffer their soul must be trusted to the faithful creator. But maybe there is someone in this room today or someone watching uh, a live stream later. There will be someone that, that is next door that says this. Why is this happening to me? God, why are you doing this? Why am I suffering? There may be somebody in this room that's questioning if they're really saved. There may be somebody in this room that in a skeptical way doubts and doesn't understand and for that their faith has been impacted. Here's what I want to encourage you. Don't question or doubt your salvation or your situation. Trust them both to the Lord. And that's the message today. No matter what you are going through, trust it to God's leading. Trust your situation and your life to God, but also on a greater plane, trust your salvation to an almighty God that will secure you for all eternity.
as I close this sermon today, what little bit of value, valuables I have in my life. Maybe they're in a safe or maybe they're in a bank or maybe they're locked up in my house. What little bit of valuable things that I have. And I, I, I go to bed at night and I don't worry about those things. I know that they're behind lock and key and I know that those things are safe. Here's the question for you today. Can you close your eyes at night? Better yet, can you leave this place today knowing this, that you are eternally secure in the hand of an almighty God? And no matter what comes, persecution or suffering, no matter what happens in the days ahead, know that your faith in Jesus will lead you through. Can you lock that in the hand of an almighty God and trust Him with that today? If you can't, then you need to do business with God before you leave. Today, Christians, as we end this service, Here's what I want to say. There are times that we are shocked when things happen to certain people. Don't be shocked when suffering comes. Don't suffer for the choice of your own. Suffer for a life that is lived out for Christ. And don't let doubt rule your life. Judgment begins today. And part of that judgment begins by you looking at your own life. Looking at your own faith. Looking at your, where you stand in the eyes of Christ. I'm not trying to make you doubt. I'm talking about judgment. Because if faith is not real today, it will be tried one day by fire. My prayer as that fiery trial comes to every one of our faith, that our faith is purified and made stronger because of our belief in Jesus Christ. Today, if you are here and you have never accepted Jesus Christ, I want you to see the worry of a, of a man. Not, not Worry might not be the right word. The concern of a man for those that are lost. And he writes on behalf of a heart of God. God loves you. It's not God's intention that you spend eternity separated in a place called hell from him. So today, through His Son shedding the blood on the cross, He has forgiven sin and paved the way that everyone through a rugged cross can come to Jesus as Savior and be forgiven and given life eternal. Today, if you need that, don't you leave this, don't you leave this sanctuary without saying yes to Jesus. Whatever the need, as we meet Him today, we bow before Him. May we pray. Father God, Lord, thank You for a moment in which we bow before You. Lord, thank you, Lord, for your word, Lord. And I pray that as we live lives for Jesus, Lord, that you will lead us. Lord, that you will lead us to that point of salvation if that one has not accepted Jesus. Maybe you will lead us to the reminder as believers that it's not always going to be an easy road. That, Lord, through the trials and the situations that we encounter in our life, Lord, that you will purify us and that you will make us strong. Lord, I pray that you begin in the house of God today. Begin with me. Lord, through trial, that you will allow faith to be seen. That you will allow Christ 
to be known and that you will allow God to be glorified in it all. How many will say, Lord, start with me. That God would get the glory. Use this people. Use this church. I pray not to boast of our own. But through us, people will see the truth of a Savior and the love of a Savior. God, thank you in this moment of invitation. We give it to you now. In Jesus' name, amen. Clifford Baptist Church invites you to join us for worship every Sunday morning at 11 a.m. For more information about our church, please call our church office at 434-946-0555.